Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to intermittent fasting stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of delay. Don't deny living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds. Thanks to intermittent fasting. After learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story. That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody. This is episode number five of Intermittent Fasting Stories, and I am here today with Dennis Schock. Dennis lives in Augusta, Georgia, and he is a business analyst who works remotely from home. Welcome, Dennis. Hi, Jen. How are you doing? I'm so glad to have you here with us today. I'm glad to be here. So tell us how you found intermittent fasting. What brought you to it? When was that? Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, well, actually, last November, my wife uh, works in a hospital in Augusta, Georgia, and she came home and was just telling me a story about a guy that she works with who um, had had great success, was healthier, lost some weight, and so on with intermittent fasting. And so I just started researching it. In the beginning, I started researching online, read a lot about it, pros and cons. And I think the same day I started researching, I ordered your first book, 
delay, don't deny, and then did some more research while I was waiting for the book to come because I ordered the actual, you know, paperback uh, version of the book instead of on the online version. I actually went ahead and started the fasting based on my research before I got the book. The, The book just explained it a lot better, made it easy to follow. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Now, was was this Steve? Did did your wife work with Steve? Actually, I think it might have been. Okay, yeah, he. It it is a guy named Steve. Our children went to high school together, (laughs) and his wife and and I are friends. And so, I know he was spreading it far and wide through through the hospital where he worked. So I just as soon as you said that, yeah, I was like, I bet that's Steve. You know, it's funny how you know one person will just take off with it, and then they'll be. Dozens of people are, are, I guess, eventually hundreds as it spreads out from their friends and so on and so on. But yeah, he's definitely an intermittent fasting evangelist, right? I've lived in several places in the country. So I've actually had people I've gone to visit for business purposes and for pleasure and people who've come to visit me who... After several months of this, and I've had pretty good success, I'm, I'm down about uh, 35 pounds overall. So I've had several people ask me, you know, what are you doing? I, I don't go out of my way to, you know, walk up to people on the street and tell them about intermittent fasting, though sometimes I feel like I should. You know, I, I've let people know when they ask me, I'm just honest with them. This is what I do. And, you know, if you think it's crazy, you should really just do some research had several people start reading your book and obesity code. I think I, I read a lot of them, but those two probably helped me the most. Well, you know, one reason I wrote my book is after reading the obesity code and I love the obesity code. I recommend it highly. In fact, I recommend it in, in both of my books in both delay, don't deny and in feast without fear. I recommend that people read the obesity code, but I was so excited when that book was coming out. And then when it came out and I read it and I was like, well, it still doesn't really tell you what to do. And that was when I really started thinking about writing my book because I think people people love the obesity code, but it's got a lot of science in it. And it's not really something you're just going to read in a short period of time. You have to go through it over and over to really get the finer points out of there. I actually listened to mostly, I read some of it because I wanted to go back and read it, but I listened to it on audio while I was driving, which I I think was easier. It didn't, you didn't get bogged down in the technical stuff of it. You know, I've heard that from a lot of people. I, I have not listened to it on audio, but I am actually leaving to go to Florida tomorrow with my husband. And I wonder if I could get him to listen to it on the drive. Did Jason Fung read it himself? Is it in his voice? Um, or do no, you know? No, okay. I'm pretty sure it wasn't, if I remember right. Okay. It's in somebody else's voice. Because I think that would make it entertaining because he's so interesting to listen to. <laughs> As, as I remember, though, Ian, I've seen some of his, uh, listened to some of his podcasts, so that would be cool, I think. But um, I'm pretty sure it, that it wasn't him. The, my concern with his book and in relation to the fasting is if people kind of get bogged down in the science in the middle and don't finish it, the fasting section's way in the back. Yeah, because he goes into all the science behind the foods and how our body responds to different foods and and that was what I, my, I kept going, oh, wow, you know, the whole time I was reading it. Because so much of what we think about foods and about how our bodies work is just not true. Right. I was at a little bit of a plateau. I, I, I lost pretty much like you said I would in the book from the get-go. I lost seven pounds the first week. And then from there, there I averaged around a pound and a half a week for about the first 20-some weeks. And then I kind of leveled out a 25 to 30-pound overall loss. And I kind of leveled out there for quite a while. And I read um, Dr. Fung's book. My big takeaways from that were, I'm happy to say, I always tell people it this way, drink beer, not soda. 
Um, <laughs> but he he talks about some of the reasons we think some light alcohol consumption, one or two drinks a day, is actually has some good effects on your body. And he basically tells you all the way through, these are the reasons why you shouldn't drink soda, whether it's regular or diet, either one, you should just stay away from them. And then um, just overall, his constant through the books about just staying away from sugars and sweets. And so I, I he kind of made me feel bad about desserts. And uh, my <laughs> wife hates that because she loves dessert. And I was never a big dessert person anyway. So that wasn't a big deal for me. And then he also just made me feel better about coffee. Right. Oh, that's true. I'm drinking my black coffee right now. Are you having some too? I've got a uh, cup of black hot coffee and a cold brew both sitting on my desk right now. Awesome. I'm I'm transitioning right now at this time of day from hot coffee to cold coffee, but I drink coffee half the day. Me too. I drink it until about noon and then I stop. So, and then I move on to my water and my sparkling water. That's what I do. Yep. That, That just really works well for me. After you had the plateau, did you just stop sweets and that sort of thing? And then did that make a difference? I I stopped them pretty much completely for a couple of weeks and it did. You know, I think I I dropped my uh, reset point by about five pounds and I've been there ever since, but I'm pretty happy. You know, I probably, I thought in the beginning, you know, just in my head that I should lose 30 to 35 pounds. And I have, I, I have a little bit of, you know, extra belly weight, you know, that I would maybe just a few more pounds or, you know, I don't know. I don't think the pounds and and how your weight changes are completely relative, but I do like to jump on the scale a couple times a week. I liked your idea of weighing every day and doing an average, except that, you know, I don't remember to weigh every day. So I, I actually track my weight weekly, but I get on the scale a couple of times the same time of the week every week and pick the lower number and write it down. Because to me, it's about, hey, I got to that number. Yeah. I once heard a great suggestion, and it was to buy one of those doctor scales, you know, that has the little, where you slide it across the top, and buy one of those set of scales, and then get on there and only change it as if it goes down. That's a great idea. I I actually bought a set of scales. I mean, this was, I don't know, 10 years ago. We still have those scales. They're like way down in the back in like a a shed in the backyard now. And I think my son uses it. It's the only scales we own now, but I don't go down and get on them. But I thought that was a great strategy because people can't handle the upswings sometimes, you know, and, and. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a man. I've never weighed as a man. But women, we have lots and lots of variations over time. Like our weight will pop up several pounds overnight. Do you all do you have a lot of variations? I'll get probably not more than two or three pounds difference. But I, I do get some variation. Yeah, a woman can have like, I mean, we retain water like nobody's business. So we can just go up, I mean, like eight pounds, like practically overnight. And it's it freaks us out. But once we know, <laughs> okay, calm down, it's all right. <laughs> you can't gain, you know, three pounds of fat or eight pounds of fat in just a couple of days. So that's the good news. Well, and I just overall, I mean, the bigger thing for me is I, I'm healthier. I've had high, I've been diagnosed with high blood pressure almost my whole adult life. And my blood pressure is down. I don't have the joint pain I used to have. I attribute some of that to just not having the extra weight on. I don't know if it's really about being healthier from the fasting. It's probably a combination of that. And I'm just, I'm carrying around 35 less pounds. And that's one of the reasons I continue to get on the scale every week is I like, 
I referenced that to bags of sugar. I imagine what if I had to carry seven five pound bags of sugar around with me? That's how much heavier I was 10 months ago. You know, that's really eye-opening to do. And I actually did something similar right after I had lost about 75 pounds. I was in the classroom with some of my students. They were fifth grade students, and it was a few girls. They were working on a project, and one of them said, did you lose a lot of weight? You know, you know how kids are. They don't always notice what's happening. I'm like, yeah, I lost about 75 pounds. This was back in maybe 2015. I've gone on to lose a little bit more since then, maybe five pounds or so. But one of the little girls in the room said, I weigh 75 pounds. And so I was like, all right, let me pick you up. <laughs> so I picked her up and tried to walk around carrying her. And I just couldn't. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is how it was all day long, every day, to move through life. 75 pounds. Imagine that relief on your body. Yeah, I tried to move around a 50-pound. My husband had like this quick crete or something. He's doing some repairs around the house, and it's like this concrete mix. And I was like, this is so heavy. And that was just a little bit of, of what I was carrying around every day. So, yeah, it was such a release. I do think that the joint pain is probably a combination of both. You know, we have reduced inflammation thanks to intermittent fasting. But also, it's just less on our joints. You're right. So what does your day look like? What's your pattern? How long is your window? That sort of thing. My window generally now, I open it somewhere in the neighborhood at 3 o'clock. I'll have some kind of snack. Like yesterday, I had a bowl of soup. Um, you know, sometimes I eat cheese and crackers, that kind of thing. And then when my wife gets home, she also practices intermittent fasting. And she... It makes it a lot easier. She gets home around um, somewhere between five and six o'clock and then we'll eat dinner. And I've the whole time I've been more of a have a snack, eat dinner kind of person. We've pretty much done OMAD since the beginning. And she is kind of a wait and eat dinner and then have some dessert afterwards. So my window generally starts earlier than hers and hers starts at dinner and, and lasts a little bit later than mine. But overall, for the most part, we would only have a window of an hour or two most of the time. And honestly, since I feel like I'm pretty much where my body needs to be, I've extended my window a little bit more. I probably have a two to four hour window most of the time now instead of a one to two. We went to the 22 to 24 hour fast every day pretty much from the beginning and and didn't have a big problem with it that's great i, th I think that um steve actually said to her that's a really short window to start out with <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to do that <laughs> some people can though some people have more of more difficulty with the the transitioning over time but some people just jump right in and have great success yeah, we we actually had a fairly easy time with it. It was about giving mostly about giving up a meal a day and then not doing any grazing. Working at home, I generally would take a break at 10:30, 11 o'clock in the morning and kind of eat a brunch. And then to my downfall in the mid afternoon, I would like, you know, eat Doritos or, you know, l little tiny pieces of candy, but you know, like eight of them. Yeah, and um, you're like, oh, this is just a little yeah, bit of candy. This exactly. is only whatever, not very many calories, right? You don't. Yeah, <laughs> but when you start to learn about your insulin levels, you realize what that's doing to you. And so for, for me, initially, it's just 
don't stop and have those snacks and don't eat that brunch. So that's really all I was doing because I wasn't eating dinner until six o'clock at night when my wife got home anyway. So the, the putting off the meal until in the evening was never a problem for me. And then kind of once you do that and you haven't eaten all day, I found that you know, when I did eat dinner, I was full. And like a lot of people, initially, I ate too much dinner. You know, when, when I did eat, yeah, I eat a lot. And I don't know appetite correctness wise that I eat a lot healthier now than I did. I eat somewhat healthier, but not a lot healthier, but I do eat less. My meals are smaller. I eat a little bit slower and I get full and I know I'm full and I, and I don't eat again, which is one of the reasons why I don't generally do dessert because I'm not hungry, you know, an hour later to do that. Yeah, Dr. Burt Herring has, has, have you read his Appetite Correction book? Actually, I think I did read that. I, I love that book because it's a very simple book. It's easy to read. It's not that long. But I had a lot of aha moments, just like when I was reading The Obesity Code. Appetite Correction, those two, Appetite Correction and The Obesity Code, are the two that made the most difference for me because it helped me to really learn to trust my satiety signals and my hunger signals and you know why certain foods make me satisfied and some make me want to keep grazing all night long and the whole point of the appetite correction is that we learn how to trust that we've had enough food even if you don't feel like you've had that much if you're full stop eating yeah and i never really had that concern i don't okay. I, I think some i always do. i think i always knew i got more food than i needed mm-hmm. when i read uh, delay don't deny I was really into the not denying aspect of that this way of eating. So I wanted to prove to myself that I could eat cheeseburgers and pizza. So I purposely made sure that every week for, I would say, the first two or three months that I had a cheeseburger and pizza at least once during that week, sometimes probably more often than that. And I still lost a pound and a half a week every week eating cheeseburger and pizza. And uh, I don't eat cheeseburgers and pizza. I don't think as much as I did. I don't pay as much of attention. To, to be honest, I eat whatever I want. I have some appetite correctness and I, I don't eat as much, like I said, but I also, and I eat, a, I eat a little bit better and, you know, smaller, smaller quantities for sure. You know, what's changed for me more than anything is the quality of like the burgers and pizza that I'm willing to eat. That's been the main difference. I still like burgers and pizza, but you know, you live in, a, in Augusta, so do yeah. I. Do you ever go to Farmhouse Burger downtown? I do, but I will tell you what, I love to go to Whiskey Kitchen. Oh, I love their burgers too. Oh yeah, yeah. they're the one it's that has the egg. It's like their, it. have you yes. had their breakfast burger? I have had almost all of their burgers and yes, I love the breakfast burger. Yeah, that's one of my favorites for people who don't know. Isn't it on like like French toast bun or something? And it's I don't got know. like their their yeah their buns are excellent. It's it's got um, egg on there and bacon. It is like a really good burger. Have you yeah. had the uh, TCB? The take I don't think I business. I don't think I've had that one because I always just see once I find something I like. It's I peanut, always just get it's that. peanut butter, bananas, and bacon. Oh yeah, no, I haven't had that. It's, it <laughs> sounds really crazy, but. My wife, my daughter, my mother-in-law all eat that burger now. Okay. Well, I'll have to go to the the whiskey bar and kitchen and try their burger because like I said, I like burgers still, but it's going to have to be a really high quality burger or um, like the same with pizza. I don't don't stop at fast food places to get a burger or anything. I I go to someplace like Farmhouse or um, Whiskey Bar and yeah, I'm, I'm like a, a fast food burger would just not satisfy me. But here's the funny part. You know, when I wrote Delay, Don't Deny, and when I lost the weight, 
I ate a lot of fast food along the way. And I had not developed into the type of eater I am now. And I didn't do it on purpose. Like my tastes have really changed a lot. So I wasn't expecting it, but I used to eat fast food. I would drive through several days a week, you know, which is why I don't judge people who are, are eating that way now because that's where I started. And now, you know, like last night I had like quinoa and, you know, it was like a whole bowl of food I never would have had before. And I loved it. But I was, I was at McDonald's a lot and, and back in the day. So I told you when we first started talking that I've read a a ton of books recently and not all of them were about fasting. There's only so much out there to read about fasting, but I also just read as much newer research stuff as I could about food in general. Some of the books, I, I can't think of them right now, but some of the books that you uh, you suggest, like In Defense of Food. Right. Oh, I love that one. Dr. Fung helps you a lot with, you know, really what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. And I guess I haven't changed, you know, things I really like, like burgers and pizza, I still eat them, though I know there's some things in them that aren't good for me. But for items that I I don't have a big sway either way, knowing that, you know, eating the vegetables is better for me than eating the fruit because of the sugar, I lean more towards the vegetables. It's not necessarily that I like one a lot better than the other. So why, why not choose the thing that I know from research is better for me? Yeah. You know, the one thing that, that I think is, is played a part for me after reading, you know, Michael Pollan's work, but also reading a lot from the gut researchers. One of my very favorite ones is called The Diet Myth by Tim Spector. I think there's another one called The Diet Myth that's not by him. So look, make sure it's Tim Spector. I think he's from um, Great Britain, but he's a gut researcher and he writes it in such a way like, like you're, it's interesting. He tells it like a story, you know, and, and it's one I, I just really loved. But, you know, he talks about how your gut microbiome actually can cause you to have cravings for things. So when you have an unhealthy gut microbiome, like, Lord, I'm sure mine was awful <laughs> when I first started, you know, because I was eating all that fast food and processed food. And that's what I craved, like the quote, bad gut bacteria drive your cravings. And then when I started gradually gravitating towards more nutritious foods, more vegetables, that sort of thing, you know, that changes your gut microbiome. And then the new gut that you have developed craves, you know, the foods that feed it. So I think that that really is part of the process. You know, my gut no longer wants to eat that junky food. I did read the book, The Gut, and I learned I have um, some problems with acid reflux at night. So I did learn some things from that book that have helped me to start keying in on the things that cause that for me. Well, that's good. Yeah. You you start figuring out what really works for you and what doesn't work for you. And I actually had my gut microbiome analyzed just over a year ago. And what's funny, you'll appreciate this since you've read Michael Pollan, they give you like your results next to like average results, people average in your country, people average your age. But then they also have a reference for Michael Pollan. So you get to see how your gut compares to Michael Pollan's gut. And that was pretty cool. And I will tell you, I read your second book, and my favorite part of that is I had read some stuff in relation to, I can't remember exactly how, how they're called, the blue region studies? The blue zones, that's right. Blue zones. That stuff is very interesting to me, mostly, and I don't know if it was your book or one of the other ones that I read, that spent a lot of time talking about how you can't, people have tried to like dissect pieces out of, you know, in... In Greece, they eat a lot of olives and olive oil, so that's good for you. And it, 
it talked a lot about how you can't just pull little pieces out and go, because they do this and they're healthy, that that must be good for you. You, you have to look at everything they do as a whole. And um, I, I found that whole concept kind of a aha for me that, you know, they do some good things and they do some bad things, but overall it works out for them. And it's, yeah, it's not just one thing. Like we're, we're big on that here. And in America, we're like, Oh, it must be this one miracle thing. I'm just going to add this (laughs) one thing. And really it's more of the whole picture. That's important. And interestingly in the obesity code, he talks about that a little bit too, because he, he talks about some of the things that like countries who eat a lot of rice, well, they also eat vinegar with their rice which helps with that digestion. And Americans, traditionally, we don't necessarily do that unless we're eating you know, sushi at a Japanese restaurant where, where they've done that for us. Yeah. I think the main lesson we get from those blue zones is that the traditional diets developed the way they did and, and were very healthy. And they're not identical. Yeah, they eat something different in Okinawa and as they do in, in Greece. But it has a very similar profile as far as like high in vegetables. It's got, you know, the very similar characteristics to one another. That was really a big aha for me when I realized that what they ate in the blue zones really did match what the gut researchers said to eat. And then it all made sense. Healthy gut, healthy body. Crazy thing for me was um, learning about tomatoes. You know, I know that scientifically a tomato is a fruit, but I really never thought of it not being as healthy as other vegetables, because I still kind of in my mind, eating wise, considered it a vegetable. And I always thought, well, I should eat tomatoes. I should add tomatoes to this. And Do you know why it's why the whole story of why a tomato is classified as a fruit? But really, see, a lot of the vegetables we eat are fruits. Yeah, they like, are. Like, like squash, that's a fruit. And we never really even think about it. But why, why does everybody always say tomatoes? Do you know the whole story behind that? Well, uh, uh, fruit is traditionally grown you know, on the vine above ground and has the seeds on the inside. But, you know, why does everybody say, oh, a tomato is a fruit, but no one goes on and on about the others. It all goes back. This is, this is my elementary teacher background popping. (laughs) It all goes back to a a court case that happened maybe in the 1800s. And it was because fruits and vegetables were taxed differently. So, you know, it all goes back to the money. So, the tomato growers, I think, I'm, I'm just going from memory here, but the tomato growers were like, hey, we're really a fruit. <laughs> tax us like a fruit or something. So it all goes back to taxes. So then they ruled that tomato was a fruit. But really, lots of vegetables are technically fruits, not just the tomato. <laughs> it's all of like, but when you think about it in a culinary sense, are you eating it in a savory way? You're not going to put a tomato in a fruit salad. That would be weird. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress 
vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. All right. So how has intermittent fasting changed your life? How would you say just this is what it has done for me? Well, to start with, I'm not carrying those seven bags of sugar around with me anymore. So I'm, and my blood pressure is down. I'm kind of interested. I haven't had all of my blood work done recently as I started it. I, I did, but not recently. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how that has changed in the last nine months. So I think in January or February, I should, I'm due to have that done again. Um, so I'll be interested in that, but I just, um, I, I have some, you know, I'm in my fifties, so I don't have a lot of cartilage in my lower back anymore. And I, I had a lot more back pain beforehand. My joints were a little stiffer and just, you know, not carrying the weight around. You just, you feel better on a daily basis. I don't know that at the get-go, I felt, you know, like I just gained a lot of energy from fasting like some people do. A friend of mine up north who came to visit me, he downloaded your book actually while he was here after talking with me and started it. And he right away, before he even started losing very much weight, said, yeah, I just, I have a lot more energy in my day, but I have more energy now than I did definitely, you know, nine months ago. And I, I attribute some of that to just not carrying the weight around, but just my daily movements. I mean, I jump around. I recently bought a Jeep and the thing was already all jacked up when I bought it. I mean, I'd jump in that thing. I probably wouldn't have bought that nine months ago thinking I would have trouble getting in and out of it every day. So I just, I think the way you feel and the not carrying around all the weight just kind of makes you a freer person to do what you want to do. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, you don't, Yes, it's the weight, but you just you feel you just feel lighter both physically and almost emotionally, if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it is both. I felt weighted down by of course the weight, but I also felt weighted down emotionally and it almost felt like I was just dragging through the day. And the great thing is I don't feel like I'm giving anything up. Um, I told you I did a very strict Mediterranean style diet, you know, about 10 years ago when I was riding bike a lot. And, and I, I did feel like I was giving some, I told you I didn't have a cheeseburger for a year. I mean, I wow. really felt like I was giving something up. Like I was trying hard to eat healthy 
And right. I don't feel that way now. I don't, I don't care that I don't eat that brunch every day. And it's, it's routine for me. Quite honestly, I don't think about food really at all until two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Now around two or three o'clock, I start thinking, Hmm, wonder what I'm going to have for dinner. And, and that's when my wife and I start texting each other back and forth. Hey, what do you want to have for dinner tonight? And, and we start thinking about food. And then, like I said, a lot of times I'll have a snack, you know, around that time, but the early part of the day. I mean, I drink my coffee and sometimes I drink tea and I drink water in the morning and in the afternoon. And I just having a meal at that time, it just doesn't cross my mind anymore. I'll, yeah. I will tell you for the first time since last November, I had breakfast this past Saturday morning because I was in my hometown with some friends and they just, you know, to be social. And I wanted to see the, the people again before we left town. I had breakfast with them. But that was the first time I've eaten breakfast at breakfast time. You know, I eat breakfast right. for dinner. But the first time I had breakfast at breakfast time in, you know, 10 months. And how did you feel after that? Did you feel a little more sluggish than usual or did you just feel fine? Uh, I felt a little sluggish just because I ate a lot. I had a really right. a really great breakfast at like a um, a comfort kitchen kind of, you know, bacon and eggs place. So, um, but but other than that, I mean, I was fine. Uh, quite honestly, we were at the airport most of the rest of the day. I really didn't eat. I had a little, like I had some pretzels on my first plane and part of my wife's candy bar, but then I didn't, I didn't feel the need to eat again. Like I didn't eat lunch or dinner or anything. I just didn't eat again the rest of that day. So you just had like a, a morning window yeah, instead. It was like, yeah. My whole window just got shifted to earlier. Yeah. See, I think that's, that's the beauty of it. You know, you were able to open your window earlier and it wasn't, you know, quote cheating or it wasn't like you didn't ruin it. Like with all those diets that we did in the past. And, you know, like when you tried that Mediterranean diet for a year and you felt like you couldn't have a cheeseburger, you felt restricted. But with intermittent fasting, you just, you don't have that. And really it's like, all right, I'm going to open my window earlier. Okay. No big deal. And I can tell you, I've had some times where, you know, I've had company in town or something where I've opened my window earlier, like at one thirty, two o'clock, which is the earliest besides this past weekend that I ever opened my window. But I'd open my window early to have a late lunch with them, and then I'd eat dinner, and maybe we'd have some drinks after dinner. So I'd have this really long window all weekend. Really didn't affect how I felt going into that next week. I didn't feel great, you know, those couple of days that I ate for longer. But, you know, come Monday, get back on what you're normally doing. I really didn't, I didn't gain any weight. I maybe didn't lose as much that week, but I really didn't gain any weight. I didn't feel bad at all on Monday. I just didn't eat again until my regular time, you know, once the once the the long weekend was over and it was pretty easy to kind of get in and out of. I know you uh you reference going on vacation every once in a while and you you eat a little bit more while you're on vacation. And I mean, I think it's pretty easy to like you say you, you plan to cheat for lack of a better word. You you plan right. you, you plan, plan to have planning longer it. windows and stuff and right. then because you have things going on and I do the same thing. And then, you know, back to my normal routine. I think that's important because you don't have to atone for your sins or you don't have to make up for it or like fast for three days straight, like, you know, do a 72 hour fast. You don't have to to do these things to make up for it. And sometimes people struggle with that at first if they're, they're coming off a lifetime of you know, diet mentality. It's like, oops, I've cheated. I was bad. Now I have to make up for it. I have to do something, you know, Herculean here. But no, you just get right back on it. 
and your body takes care of that. And actually, ironically, we're leaving tomorrow to go on on a trip for five nights. So we'll have a couple nights in Florida, and then we're going to go on a cruise for um for three days. And I'm going to have longer windows, and it is okay. I'm sure as soon as we get off that boat on Monday, I'm going to be like, all right, back on. And it feels so good to get back on the fasting. Can, can I ask you, and it's probably in some of your books, but what was the longest fast you ever did? I know you usually, and I don't either. I, don't, I mean, I don't really condone really doing really long fasts unless you're under a, a doctor's care, I think. But I have done some research on that. The longest I ever did was, I think, 84 hours. And again, like like you just mentioned, I don't recommend people just willy-nilly doing extended fasts without medical supervision. But this was before I really, this is before I wrote the book that I tried this 84-hour fast. And I was experimenting. And it was before the obesity code. It was before the complete guide to fasting. It was before I knew it. Any, you know, I tried a bunch of extreme things over the years. But I think one time I did about 84 hours. You know, what I found for myself when I would experiment with the longer fasts, I would never really see lasting weight loss from it. Like I would, of course you drop the weight while you're fasting, but then you eat and then it pops right back on. So I just worry about people, you know, thinking that if you, if, if a 24 hour fast is good, then fasting for 21 days would be even better. So <laughs> we, we like to go big or go home, right? We don't just run around the block. We run an ultra marathon. So sometimes that's not always, more is not always better. There are a lot of videos and, um, research out there for um, for cancer patients about about longer fast but they do that in California and Canada under a um, under a doctor's care yeah and there's a there's a movie or it's on I think it's on Amazon Prime video um, some sort of fasting movie I can't think of the name of it exactly the science of fasting or something but it it talks about using fasting to cure lots of things and of course this is a very pro fasting movie. But in the whole movie, they make a huge point to say, you know, medical supervision, medical supervision. You know, they have these clinics that people go to. So I would not attempt to do any of this personally without without a medical supervisor's care. You know, if I were diagnosed with cancer or some medical condition and I thought that fasting might help me, I would find somebody. Maybe they wouldn't be here in Augusta. I might have to travel somewhere. But I would find somebody who was familiar with fasting and, and the condition. I wouldn't try to go it solo, though, because there are some conditions, like some types of cancer actually get stronger with autophagy. And that's like a little known secret. Not everybody is aware of that. And I, at least for myself, I can tell you that, you know, I've been able to really reach my goal inside of a year and stay there to this point. And I'm almost at a year now. I'm about 10 and a half months since I started intermittent fasting. And I have generally gone 20 to 24 hours, but I rarely go over 24. I might go 25, 26. I did a 37 hour fast one time. And it was just because from my meal time, I ended up going to the airport and I, I traveled all the way across the country. I had a connection. It just took me all day. And like you said about being pickier about what you eat, I feel the same way. And I didn't want to eat airport food. I certainly was not going to eat the stuff they have on the airplane. So I just didn't eat again. When I got home, I was so tired. I went to bed. So it just turned out to be a 37 hour fast. But other than that one time, I mean, I'm somewhere in the you know vicinity of anywhere from 18 to 26 hours generally now more probably more 18 19 than you know i used to at the beginning 
That's probably very similar to me too. When I have a longer fast, it's not because I'm like purposefully doing it. It's just because I'm busy. You know, like one day, like yesterday, we had to eat dinner a little earlier. Our house is on the markets. We had a showing at 630, which is really messing up our schedule because you have to eat early or late or whatever. And so then I, I ate earlier yesterday. And so if today I was busy, then I would eat later and it would just be an, a longer fast just because of that, not because I'm like trying to go for longer. But it's easy to. That's the thing. Like when you had that accidental 30 whatever hour fast, it wasn't a big deal, was it? No. Didn't phase me much at all. The, the thing that worked out great for my daughter is she loves to go to brunch. So since I hadn't eaten in 37 hours at brunch time, she's like, well, let's go to brunch since you haven't eaten yet. Because normally I don't want to go to brunch <laughs> unless I go somewhere that serves brunch all day, which we have a couple of those places around here. We do. I love brunch. I love brunch food. At least one day on the cruise, I'll have some sort of brunch just because I, I love it. But most days I usually just skip the breakfast and I might start eating at lunchtime. But I do like to have like Eggs Benedict for dinner once in a oh, while. Oh, yeah. I love Eggs Benedict. That's one of my favorites. I will make sure to have that on the cruise. <laughs> and, and from all of my research, I feel so much better about eating the butter and oh, yeah. the hollandaise sauce than I used to. There you go. Yeah, hollandaise sauce, butter. It's a magical food. <laughs> <laughs> it's just delicious. That's why I eat it. And and you feel you feel satisfied. And I feel the same have... way about avocados. I love I oh, yeah, love them. So I'm so happy that, you know, they're kind of the new superfood. Yeah, I think so too, because there were so many years like when I did the whole fat free. Did you ever do do the low fat dieting? Oh, yeah. You're you're around my age. So you yeah, I'm just, sure back in the nineties. I just feel crazy for believing in that at this point though. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I did that too. Fat free yeah. cheese. Oh, it doesn't even melt. I worked in the dietary programs. I used to run restaurants for years. Oh, okay. And I um, then I worked in dietary programs in hospitals. And I can remember a dietician once just looking at me like I was nuts when I told her I ate fat-free cheese. She said, why would you do that? And now I understand why she thought I was so crazy. And this was, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago. Well, she was ahead of her time she then. Because people still, I mean... You know, you go to the store to try to find Greek yogurt, for example, and all of it is like fat free. And I'm like, come on now. I don't want fat free yogurt. I want the real thing. I want the whole fat. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've always read ingredient labels a lot. I just read them for different reasons now. And I spend a lot of time just trying to make sure stuff doesn't, you know, still doesn't have a lot of ingredients and doesn't have the sugar in it because just a lot of things have hidden sugar in it. Right. Right. Yeah. And then trying to just keep that down more so. I think that's true. I have naturally gravitated to wanting less sugar, not on purpose, but I feel better when I don't have as much. So, you know, the whole delay, don't deny mantra, that doesn't mean that you just willy nilly eat everything all the time. You still pay attention to how you feel. And I'm like, oh, I feel better when I don't have a lot of sugar. So I like to feel better. <laughs> so I don't eat as much. And I'm the same way. And I don't, I don't really have much of a sweet tooth anyway. So that's not really difficult to me. But we did go to the French Market Grill the other night. Since you're local to Augusta, you'll understand. And we had a house showing right at a, just a very awkward time for dinner. So we went to eat, and I had a big old piece of the peanut butter pie. I, I split it with stuff. my husband. Oh, yeah. People who don't live in Augusta oh. don't know. Apparently, I didn't realize this. I posted a picture of it in the Facebook group. I didn't realize that apparently peanut butter pie is not something people everywhere have heard of. Oh, really? Because well, they're like, I've never heard of peanut butter pie. And I'm like, what? I feel sorry for those people. Me too. Also, pimento cheese is not something people have worldwide. I didn't realize that till one year I was listening to the Masters radio. We were driving somewhere for spring break because Augusta has spring break at the 
with the Masters every year because that's where it's held. You know that. Not everyone listening does. But the sports casters were talking about the pimento cheese sandwiches at the Augusta National. And, and they were like, what's pimento cheese? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean what's pimento cheese? I just didn't know. Yeah, I grew up in Ohio and I didn't know what pimento cheese was until I moved to uh, Tennessee. Okay. So now you know. My, my one daughter loves it. Oh, I love it. And it's better when you make it from scratch. You order stuff in restaurants just because it has pimento cheese. Oh, me too. I will I will order a burger. I had a burger somewhere, I can't remember, not that long ago, and it had pimento cheese on it. We were in Merle's Inlet. We were in Merle's Inlet. But I had a burger with pimento cheese and a fried green tomato on top. Mm, that sounds good. It was absolutely delicious. So if you can ever order a burger with that on top, it is a winning combination. <laughs> I might just have to make it like that at home sometime. Well, you totally could. I, I'm crazy about fried green tomatoes too. So another thing I think they don't eat everywhere, but we do know good food down here in the South. I think everyone's heard of it now because of the movie, yeah, but I just don't I know think that so. they think it's real enough it. that they should try it. Yeah. But we ate fried green tomatoes in Ohio. Do you eat them in, tom- in Ohio? Them good. I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they're not just in the South. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I assume. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. All right, we are about out of time. So before we go, well, I always want to ask one question. Let me backtrack a little bit. I have two questions I want to ask you. First of all, is there anything you struggle with with intermittent fasting? You know, really, I can't think of a thing I struggle with with intermittent fasting. I hear that from people. You're not the first person to say that. Now, I will say I don't go out of my way to talk about it. But if people ask me, they say, oh, you you know, people who've known me and know that I've Mm -hmm. lost weight and that I look like I'm in better shape. I will tell you also at the onset, I also wanted to prove to myself, like you always say, that you don't really like to exercise. And I didn't, I, I, I wanted to kind of know that I could lose the weight without, you know, working hard at it. So I didn't now since a couple of the books I've read talk a lot about, uh, especially I read one from a guy in his 60s that talks about getting exercise and doing some weight training at least twice a week. So I I started doing that like in the middle, you know, like six months ago. I do go to the gym two to th- two to four times a week. 
Yeah, I think exercise is very important for health. It's not necessarily going to lead to magical weight loss like we think, but for health, we do. as we get older, we need to stay active. I think that's so important. Well, and one of my goals with why I wanted to try intermittent fasting in the first place was I, I realized that these days I could live to be 100 years old, which means I'm only halfway through my life. I want to be able to be active at least well into my 80s and hopefully into my 90s. Right. Me too. Me too. I want to age well. And you know, I watched my grandmother not age well. And that was really hard. So yeah, I want to be one of those people. Then they're like, you're how old? <laughs> and we're just like, you know, vibrant, even into our 80s and 90s. And Did you happen and to see a new uh, movie that's out called The Book Club with Jane Fonda? I, oh, I've seen a commercial for that. Is that worth seeing? She is like 81 or 82 years old. I forget. Jane Fonda. She's wearing yeah. like a short dress and she's got knee high boots on and she jumps around and just acts as crazy as she always did. Oh, I love that. So, that. I want that to be me. Exactly. That'll be us. We'll be old. We'll be feeling great. <laughs> that was my big takeaway from the movie. Okay, well, I'll have to go check that out. All right. So the last question I like to ask is, what would you tell somebody who's just starting out? Like, what piece of advice would you give somebody who's new to intermittent fasting that, that would really help them along the way? I guess I would tell them to just in their mind, believe it's going to work and don't give up on it too quickly. You know how some people will say that they've gained some weight the first week or so. And then after some time, and I didn't experience that, I lost weight right away. But I've had some friends who asked me about it, read your book, did it for a week and gained weight and said, forget this, I gained weight on it. And, you know, I felt like they just, they didn't give it that enough of a chance. I also, my thing would be to do a lot of your own research. A lot of people just, you know, will go, man, that's a, that's a crazy idea. And even if somebody talks them into trying it, I don't know that they really believe it's a good idea, but there's a lot of recent research. And if you, you know, as, as valid as studies on, on eating healthy can be, cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of trickiness in it. There's, there's a lot of good information out there to be found and uh, just read a lot and research a lot about it. Yeah, I think that's really good advice, especially the idea to stick with it, because this is not a quick fix. You know, it's not something that a lot of the diet claims aren't, aren't going to be, you know, exciting. It's not going to be on the cover of a magazine. Well, they might try it, but it's not going to happen that way. You know, lose lose 20 pounds and three dress sizes in seven days. It's, this is not one of those plans. This is something that'll give you dietary freedom. It'll give you peace around food. You know, I like to call it the health plan with the side effect of weight loss, but your body may have other priorities at first. You may need some time before your body's really getting into the fat burning state. So yeah, give it, give it time, give it at least a month before you judge it. I will also say it is the easiest healthy eating style I've ever adopted in my life. I love that. Easiest thing I've ever done, and I tell people that when people ask me about it, I said, "This is this is, a, this is the easiest healthy change in my life I've ever made." I love that a lot because you know people think it's going to be hard, and then it isn't. Once your body adjusts, it just you just cruise along. It's like automatic cruise control. So anyway, that is a great way to end. And thank you for being here with us, Dennis. And I really enjoyed our chat today. I did too. I thank you for uh, the opportunity to talk with you. And I also thank you for rating Delay, Don't Deny. Well, thank you. 
Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on.